Welcome to Casting Nets Beyond the Sermon. I'm Pastor Will Harley. I'm here with better pastors than myself, Pastor Dave Rudot and Pastor Dave Enderly. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm Pastor Dave Endorf. I don't know who Pastor oh, Dave Enderly yeah, is. Enderly, that, Endorf, sorry. Enderly is James Enderly. You know, he's a good pastor up in Morrison, too. Yeah, here we are. Beyond the sermon. Yeah, welcome. Beyond the sermon. We get to talk about uh, things that we talked about on Sunday where we, we may have added or things that we, we had to cut because of time. And uh, and Pastor Rudot had, took a bye this week. He decided that I did. Uh, some family travel needed to be done. Yeah, I figured if I'm not going to preach a sermon, why not be, sit in the car for about 16 hours? and uh watch a concert and a play and spend time with family like that would be like the equivalent maybe the the torturous of uh, ride of 17 hours in my in the car with my family would be about the same amount of torture as preaching a sermon on sunday almost equivalent but you had fun you had a good time so that was great um for today though we do have our sermons that are are put up i think both uh um, Pastor Endorf and I, we did the gospel, did we not? For all saints, or did you did you preach on all saints? No, no, no. I did, I did the Pentecost reading. Oh, so what are we okay. going to do? Matthew, Matthew twenty three one to eleven. So that was so okay. So we did the you did the proper twenty six, something like that. Whatever the number is. I can't remember these days. Well, then we do have two different ones to discuss. That's good. Awesome. Well, then I'm going to give the show over to you, Pastor Rudot. You can do your clicky button things. I'm the flashy button guy today. So this is Matthew 23. Is this the one, Dave? Yes. 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 All right. You want to read it? Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. He said, the experts in the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you. But do not do as they do, because they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads, burdens that are hard to carry, and place them on people's shoulders. But they will not lift a finger to help them. They do all their works to be seen by people. They make their phylacteries wide and lengthen the fringe of their garments. They love to play the place of honor at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by people. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Also, do not call anyone on earth your father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. And you are not to be called leaders, for you have one leader, the Christ. But the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So All right. as I was preaching on that, um, I, I started by talking about the Godfather, because... I mean, obviously, uh, you know, and, and the Godfather starts with that, that, uh, 
that scene at the the daughter's wedding where you know it's the daughter's wedding but everybody's coming to the godfather to to get his uh, approval to get his help and 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 that's what Christ is addressing here that they have this idea that that's the type of thing it means to be great that you have that position of authority where you're you're really controlling other people's lives and it and it seems on the surface like you know you're helping but you're really not you know and and that's the kind of the the theme of the the godfather movies is you know it seems great you know and and if you're a child you think well that's what i want to be and then you realize no you don't that's horrible and those are horrible people and and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great and we should want to be great but being repentant sinners comes with the understanding that, that greatness means something different. It means that we want to serve. And, and so we're not here to control other people. We're not here to tell them what to do. We're here to serve. And, and to serve means that we're gonna we're gonna find out what they need. Not what we think they need, but what they actually need. We're gonna going to spend time with them because in in today's culture you know loneliness is, is such a big problem we're gonna um trust that god is going to take care of us and provide for us and, and that we have eternity to look forward to and so we have peace as we serve them and so it's done out of an attitude of pure love that i'm i'm just looking out for their needs and and that's what it means to be great in uh in god's kingdom to be great in god's sight and that as we look at, at that standard and what god is talking about here uh we we recognize why we need christ to be there uh, speaking to the crowds and to his disciples, because, you know, this is the type of standard that we don't live up to, that we haven't lived up to in our lives. And that Jesus is there confronting the, the rabbis and the Pharisees and the teachers and the instructors, you know, on his way to the cross, you know, and, and he's condemning them for for what they're doing. You know, first in the hopes that they'll repent because he does love them and, and he knows what they need to hear, but also because he knows what we need and he knows that we need most of all the forgiveness of sins, uh, new life and salvation. And so he knows that, that we were created not to be selfish, but to, to love and to serve each other. And that's what it means to be made in the image of God. And so he came to forgive us and to give us this new life in his kingdom, in true righteousness and, and holiness by his life, death, and, and resurrection on the cross. And so what we have in the, the gospel reading is, you know, the love of God and 
um, you know, he has humbled himself so that he can exalt us. And I feel like I said it a lot better today than I did on Sunday. <laughs> it's a common occurrence when you do the uh, the Monday shut-in visit on the, after the Sunday you preach it and you're doing the sermon that you did before. <laughs> you're just recapping it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do and, like, I mean, it's such a beautiful text because it does talk about uh, a reoccurring theme and that is our own pride and selfishness. And even in our, in areas where we're serving people, that pride can get in there like they're here to serve me in some way. So that was a really good point to bring up even in our yeah. day and age. We, it seems like rabbi is not really a, a thing that is going around, but it's still the same concept of people look to me sure. for advice. I want to be the influencer. Or, or even nah. the even the pastor who always wants to be called pastor, or even when it's not his own flock, or, or things of that nature, or refuse to, you know, maybe someone in the congregation doesn't call him by his last name and calls him by his first name or something like that, and they view it as a slight because they get that idea in their head, right? I'm, I, I deserve that respect. Yeah, you know, and and that's one of the things about being a pastor. You know, not growing up as a, a pastor's kid that I did not realize I was getting into is, you know, how much of a of a controversy it is to to come up with what you're going to ask people to call you when you're a pastor. Like, is it is it Reverend Endorf or Pastor Endorf or Pastor Dave or Pastor David or no, no, just call me David or like all of those mean something about you and it's i whew. yeah <laughs> or, or every now and then you do have the the person that comes into the church and they you know they're from a different faith persuasion and they'll call you father and you, oh, you yeah. have that knee jerk reaction of saying i'm not a i'm i am a father i'm not yours <laughs> well, i don't um, have that line to say but yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah right Right. And, and then there are those people that come into the church and they're there every Sunday. And I've had a couple that have come by and said, you know, they call me by my first name. They don't even put pastor in front of it. They just call me by my first name. And that's, that's who that's, that's that interaction I have with them. But there is that knee jerk reaction, right? Um, to say, I am a pastor and, and you want to, and, and it, it comes into that sermon of the pride thing. You know, I, I want them to recognize who I am. And, and yet maybe I don't need to, and, and that's okay. So that's yeah, a good text. Yeah. I like uh, it. Well, and, and there's so much that I, I wasn't even able to go into, you know, talking about Moses seat and, you know, the, oh. the instructions and, and sitting while you're preaching and, and the fact that Jesus still tells them to, uh, do what they tell you to do, even though they're hypocrites. You know, that's a, a pretty loaded and difficult statement to chew on. Um, so did you get knowing into phylacteries? That, did not get into phylacteries. <laughs> I did not get into the fringes of their garments or, or sitting in the, the places of honor. It was... So you, you did not feel that it was needed for to talk about the the leather boxes being tied to their heads. I really wanted to, but um, 
I was, I was actually looking on Amazon to see if I could get this one. <laughs> yes, and you can. Really? I just also realized I'm cheap. So, <laughs> what like are they? How running? many times am I going to use it? So, what are those? What, what um, are they in? in the hundreds, fifties? No, like twenty five. Oh, like twenty for twenty five bucks, you could add a perfect sermon illustration. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's that cheap part again. <laughs> a perfect sermon illustration. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the things that I, I did emphasize that I think really needs to come across is, you know, you are all brothers. There's no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the, the grace that comes through Christ Jesus. It's, you know, why, why don't we strive for those positions of, of dominance? Because we're no better than anybody else. Sure. You know, we are, we are just forgiven. But that also means that you know, we, we have that freedom, you know, and we don't need, we don't need a Godfather in our life to take care of us because God is going to take care of us. God is going to bless us. And so if we're looking for a job or a favor or advice, you know, we have somebody to go to for wisdom, you know, and and that's an amazing thing that that far surpasses anything I could ever do f- to help somebody out. I'm more than willing to serve. I love it. I, you know, this is what I was I was made to do. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. But, um, but you get to go to God. You know, <laughs> he's way better than I am. Just FYI. Yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, and and I think the way you approached your gospel is is a beautiful way to approach it, and and how he fulfills our needs. Um, but you could have. I mean, there's those those beautiful ways to play off how how the Pharisees and how you know they kept piling on, piling on, piling on things, and then never lifted a finger to help. And our Lord says, you know, um, take from me my yoke, um, for it's light and and easy to bear. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, you know, all those just beautiful areas of, of where we fail. Cause we always keep piling things on people. Um, our Lord never fails. Right. And he takes things from us and gives us strength to bear what we couldn't on our own. I mean, there's so many beautiful, uh, gospel ways to approach, um, the counter to what is probably, and, and maybe this is my question then to you, did you find the text to be law loaded? predominantly a law-based text. Um, um, I, I guess I would say I found it to be predominantly a, a gospel-based text because, you know, one, because I, I'm not that original audience he was speaking to. And, and so this is you know, Jesus at the end of his life on the march to the cross to pay for my sins. But also because I I recognize, um, yeah, yeah, when he, he wants us to serve one another, 
it's because he knows what's best for us and, and he wants us to have you know, those good things that he died on the cross for us to have. He wants us to be exalted because, you know, we are his dearly loved and forgiven children. And um, it's good. That's we'll give you a pass. Yeah, and then that's you have, Will saying a way of saying he agrees, but he can't say it. <laughs> and, and you know, you have that repetition of, um, you know, do not call anyone on earth your father because you have a father in heaven. Do not call anyone a leader because you have Christ. You know, and and the reminder of what you have and what you are. You know, and that you have something more than than these earthly things that God wants you to hold on to. I like it. I do. Well, let's shift our gears then to All Saints Day, Matthew 5. Go ahead, Will. All right. uh, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to, to teach them. He said these things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yeah, that was um, a beautiful text. I I grabbed um, a sermon illustration um, that I kind of rested on. Uh, The sermon illustration I rested on was Coventry Cathedral. And uh, um, in in one of the commentaries that I read, it had had kind of approached a little bit about the Coventry Cathedral and 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 talked a little bit about that. So I did some research on what was so big about the Coventry Cathedral, and it was. uh, it was destroyed. So it was a, um, a cathedral that had been built in the 1400s and it was in Coventry, England, and it was destroyed in 1940, November of 1940, um, during the Moonlight Sonata, uh, which was the Luftwaffe coming over on uh, the German Luftwaffe, uh, over 300 plus uh, airplanes dropped 30,000 incendiary bombs on Coventry, England. And um, it was uh, moonlight, so they could see everything, all of their targets. And and Coventry had been a huge um, factory for the war effort uh, for England. And this uh, cathedral, so the the people knew that that they could possibly be bombed, and so the the members um, and the administrative staff of the cathedral had tried to empty everything they could of the cathedral, took out all the stained glass windows, took out all of the stuff that they, they could try to, to get out of it, to, to protect whatever they could in case it was bombed. 
And on that evening, um, it was bombed and, and the tower was the only thing that remained. So the, some of the exterior walls in the tower that was 300 foot high, uh, remained after that evening. And, uh, a man by the name of, of Richard Howard, uh, who was the administrator of, of the, the cathedral at that time, he, in the aftermath of the bombing, stepped out into the rubble of what the church was after it. And um, everything was black and charred. And he went over to one of the stones and he wrote with his finger, Father, forgive. And uh, I, I kind of went from that. And I said, you know, he could have said numerous of other things, which we probably would have expected, like any one of the Psalms of, you know, uh, lay my enemies bare, <laughs> um, you know, retaliation of some sort. Um, and instead he quotes the words of Christ and he doesn't even quote them to its full capacity. He, he quotes the words of Christ upon the cross, Father, forgive. And you would anticipate, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Um, but But he intentionally... He intentionally said, Father, forgive, because all people are sin, are in sin, and 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 everything we do to interact with each other is is stemmed by sin and is infected by it. And um, I kind of used that as the springboard of saying, you know, this is this is the world in which we live in. The world in which we live in is infected by sin and it destroys everything. And and what we would think things should be aren't what they are and the way that we would like them to be uh they will never be and so we always are battling and we're fighting and we're we're fighting against each other and we don't treat people like we should because we're always trying to be one up we're always trying to get what we can get out of out of life and so everything is this battle and in the end it just leaves rubble that's all it leaves and I said, and then spoken uh, into this mess, into this horridness of of a world which, into a life which kind of sucks, because <laughs> it really does. Um, you have Jesus' words, right, uh, as he opens up the Sermon on the Mount, and and they're the Beatitudes. And I said, and I said, sometimes we miss this aspect, and we think that these are God's words saying you must be these things so that you receive these things. And, and we fail to see it, that God is speaking into us and saying, you are these things because I have made you them because of me. And that was my sermon theme, because of me. Um, and so because of who Jesus is and because of what he does and because of his sacrifice for us and because of his work on our behalf and changing our lives, we are these things. We see the world for what it is. We're poor in spirit. We see the world in the sin uh, that that has infested it and we see the rubble before us we're poor in spirit and yet we know something greater is for us uh we mourn it we mourn what is happening we mourn the things that are going on um and yet we know we are comforted right now we are comforted and and we're gentle right um in a world that would say you can't get anything for being gentle um yet because of christ we are gentle um, that is who we are. And are we that all the time? No, because we're sinners still, but yet God works into us this spirit of gentleness that says that, that I am, I'm not going to hold you accountable for the sin and what it has done because, because the law has, has made us all accountable for our sin and Christ has died for it all. And, and so now we are gentle and we inherit 
um, something far greater. And that, and flowing from there, that in that gentleness, we desire to have righteousness. We hunger and thirst for what is good and right and, and not taking advantage of people and, and how, how really this whole entire uh, list of the Beatitudes are going down it, that this entire list of the Beatitudes are the exact opposite of the rubble of sin, the exact opposite of what sin has destroyed, the exact opposite of everything that we would see in the world. Because the world and what it wants to give you is, is nothing but destruction. And, and you'll you use it as an excuse for me to get ahead, but all it does is destroy and so God speaks through Christ, his son, into this world and says, my people are different because of me. They're different because of who I am. They're different. And, and so he uh, changes our hearts to be better, right? Even when we don't want to be better. And that part of us says no. And um, allows us, even in the worst of atrocities, to write, Father, forgive all of us, right? Not just them, but all. Father, forgive all of us because we need that forgiveness because without that forgiveness, we're lost and, and we have nothing. Um, and then I, I kind of wrapped up my entire sermon with, with you know, the fact that they rebuilt the chapel. So the, the cathedral was rebuilt. And when they went to go rebuild it, they made a, they made a concerted effort. They said, we're, we're not going to remove the rubble. We're not going to remove the destruction that was of the old church. And so they built the new church with a big window. And that big window has engravings. It's a floor-to-ceiling window, and it just it, it spans the whole wall. And they have engravings of angels and saints upon that window. And it reminds and it faces the rubble of the old church. And it is a reminder that that we are not that. That is what the world is. The world is sin. It is destruction. It is, it is hurtful, but we, are, we, we view it through a, a better pain. We view it through something that, that is lasting and enduring. Um, and I said, you know, this is, this is what all saints is about. All saints are those who have come before us who view the world through a different pain, who view the world through a different lens, the lens of Christ. And I said, and that doesn't mean we're perfect. And it doesn't mean that sin has gone away. And it doesn't mean that the pain and the lasting damage of what sin has done has been removed from us. It means that we are not looking at that solely and saying, there's no hope. There's nothing. I have nowhere else to turn. But we see it through the lens of Christ, who says we are the inheritors of, of the kingdom of heaven right now. We are seeing it through the lens of Christ who says that even though we mourn, we're comforted right now. We're gentle and are inheritors of, of this life right now given back to us. We, we, we thirst for righteousness and he gives it to us. We are righteous before God right now um, because of Christ. And we will be persecuted just as the prophets were persecuted, just as our parents were persecuted, just as our children will be persecuted. Um, but right now, we have Christ and have every reason to rejoice and be glad. And so that was kind of my, my, my theme and my flow of the sermon. So that was anything. Yeah. What did you have in there that you, I mean, this seems, sounds like this is like a 35 minute sermon, <laughs> what you just told it us. It was not a 35 minute sermon. It, it was not, it was, um, I think it was like 16 minutes, 17 minutes. So I, I think it was one of my quicker ones. <laughs> yeah. um, 
It's a lot to cover in 16 minutes. It is. And I, I chose not to go into each and each and every one of the Beatitudes. Um, so when I approached the text, I, you know, we had talked about it in our text study, um, you know, each of those little things and how they build off of each other. Right. And, and how, uh, you're poor in spirit. That is the, the, the recognizing of your sin caused by the law, right? The law shows us that we are sinners and we, we see sin in the world, the mourning of, of what sin has done. And, and now as a Christian, one changed by, by the spirit, we, we, we can mourn what we have lost. And then how the gentleness is that change of character. And then everything that flows after that in the Beatitudes is that is really that connection to the change of character and the gentleness that God has, has produced in us. Um, I didn't choose to go that route, uh, explaining each and every one of the Beatitudes. I, I kind of went and said, I, I dealt with the first three extensively and just said, you know, we recognize our sin by the law. That makes us poor in spirit. We we mourn what 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 this what sin has done, um, and yet we are comforted because we we are forgiven, um, and we have this change in us that we are gentle in a world that is violent. Um, and and I kind of dealt with that, and then I I kind of flipped to the end, and I really focused on all of these things are because of Christ, because of as as Jesus says because of me. Um, so every beatitude really hinges on because of me. Um, you are poor in spirit and yet are an inheritor of heaven because of Christ. You are a mourner of what sin has done into the world and yet comforted because of Christ. You are gentle in a world that is vicious and an inheritor of life itself because of Christ. Um, and I really focused on that. I wish I would have, and the way I just said it now, I wish I would have said it in my sermon. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> so. I, yeah, this is a really kind of a challenging text for All Saints Day because I remember preaching on this and going, "What, what does this have to do with the, those who are who have gone before us who are sitting there in heaven?" But you did a very good job of linking what they have now is what you have now, but what you have now is tainted, of course, by the fact that we're still a sinner. Um, but it's a proclamation of Christ to us that we are truly, indeed, blessed and. You, you have to pick what you're going to talk right. about. What you can talk about. What does it mean to be blessed? Because in Jesus' day, the original hearers, they would look at blessing in terms of perceived circumstances. And every reason that Jesus gives that we're blessed has nothing to do with our perceived right. circumstances, but rather because of Christ. So he's turning that whole concept on its head. And but it's that's a that's something that needs to happen all the time because we are always looking at our perceived circumstances as evidence that we are blessed by God, but, and we, we constantly can consistently need to be reminded that our blessing comes from Christ. And thank you. Well, I had an opportunity to preach this, this message kind of in, in a little bit of a way twice. Um, cause I had to do, uh, I had the opportunity, I shouldn't say I had to, had the opportunity to do, um, um, the chapel at our high school. Um, and so, Celebration of All Saints Day, I couldn't pass that up. So I did. And their theme is the time beyond. That's the theme that they were running with. And so um, I was able to kind of, I didn't use the same material in per se, but um, my sermon theme for, for chapel, for the high school chapel was life sucks. <laughs> that, was my, that was my sermon theme. And, and the end of my sermon theme was, you know, um, you have life in Christ you have all of the glories of heaven. You have everything that God has ever promised. So embrace the suck. 
It's a Vietnam War reference. <laughs> wow. So that was how I ended the... <laughs> and the history teacher was like, well, that's not how they originally used it. No, it wasn't. But, but, I, but that was how I ended my chapel. My chapel was just, you know, you have all these things in Christ. They are yours, so embrace the suck. Um, I... <laughs> and and my son was getting texts all day and into the weekend with people from school just selling him embrace the suck <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had a chance to kind of think it through uh the first time that i that i i shared it in us in six seven minutes uh to the high school and then and then what i wanted to do for sunday and um i i, I think the 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 challenge that I found in the text is that the Beatitudes are so well-known. Um, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, not maybe it's an entirety, but portions of the Sermon of the Mount are very well-known uh, to a lot of our members. And I think they view it very law. Um, I have to be these things. Um, and if I'm not these things, then I'm not a Christian. Um, and and I really wanted to try to take the, po- the focus off of each individual Beatitude and say, well, be these things and just pronounce you are already because of Christ, because of the work of him. Um, and let's, let's not focus on how am I living this in my life? Because you're going to fail at it. <laughs> and, and instead Christ is proclaiming it over you. And in that idea of, um, you know, blessed are that is a, that not you will be, but you are right now. You are these things right now, and you're blessed because of it right now. So that that was my focus. So embrace the suck. <laughs> right? I yes. That how you that how you end the show. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> like, what do you say after that? <laughs> I, I just want to maybe switch gears a little bit and say on, on a general preaching note that, you know, Dave highlighted a, a good uh, a problem that we often have is, you know, we didn't put the lectionary together. And so very often you have this question of, what were they thinking when they put these readings for All Saints Day or when they put, you know, the the Old Testament, uh, the second lesson with this gospel reading and you're trying to fit it all together and you don't know what was behind it and, and what the original thought was. And that just makes it a little bit harder to to put everything together. And and that adds to the the complications of preaching on a Sunday morning where, you know, you're going to focus on the gospel and you're going to preach God's word, but you have another question about, okay, but what am I missing that, that somebody smarter than I was, I am saw here. And, and what did they see that led them to put this here? And I often have that question. Well, yeah, and and sometimes you you struggle because the texts that they give you to preach on, you're like, those are hard. 
I mean, like they're hard for pastors to, to, to work their way through. How hard is it going to be for our members to work their way through? I mean, just the text itself is hard. Um, and so it's that extra layer of challenge, but that's all right. I mean, that's why, that's why, you know, we get the big bucks, right? Absolutely. But I remember and why we have the Holy Spirit to assist us when we are absolutely, preaching. yeah. We'll go with that one first, probably. <laughs> I remember Professor Brug telling us, um, you know, don't don't feel like you have to preach on the hard texts. You know, nobody's making you. You have my permission <laughs> not to. I'm like, okay. Yeah, but so I mean, sometimes I, I'll, I'll that, just the good Lord. I'll, I'll just look at it. Just throws a yeah. hard one at you. So yeah, and so I'll, I'll I'll just shamelessly be like, you know what? That seems hard. I'm gonna. <laughs> I recognize my abilities. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something I can understand and preach on, and and not try to. Pastor, why I'm do you never show preach off. on a letter of Paul? <laughs> what, Pastor? Why don't you ever preach on a letter of Paul? <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the Greek of Paul is a lot harder, but John just sucks you in and and to me, John is harder to preach on. John is more spiritual, and I think he makes those connections that are that are uncomfortable for us to talk about. And that's what makes you know, um I I, I Matthew, Mark, Luke, the synoptics, they, not that they don't deal with spiritual things. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but they deal with more of the life of Christ and they deal more with uh, this happened than that happened than that happened. And, and sometimes we can separate ourselves a little bit from having to deal with some of the more intricate spiritual things going on in the background where John, John kind of rips that open and says, okay, well, you know what? Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and here's what it was. And yeah, <laughs> and, and, John, and John had good. Oh, and John adds that extra level of, you know, here's where I'm filling in the blanks. And so, w- why did the others not mention this? And and what is he adding to the synoptics that wasn't there? That that you have to make sure you convey to your members when you're preaching on it, because. That's the point of the reading here that right. that you want to get across, and, and 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 so you you have to make sure that you're catching what was missed in the other three gospels, because otherwise you missed the point of the lesson. And yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that John is definitely meant to be listened to than read. Like as you're studying the scriptures of John, sometimes you miss that this is a theme that he's been talking about. Like for example, in the Gospel of John, if you're listening to it, you you catch the because he uses that circular line of thought where he brings up the fact that Christ has witnesses that he doesn't speak on his own. He has the Father, and 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 then um, he is. And in the lessons as well, the the re, the letters of John as well, where it's uh, it's more difficult because we either have a little bit of a section of John or we're not listening to him, so we can't hear the s- cyclical concepts that he's bringing back around. 
at least I can't. I mean, maybe you guys can when you're reading it through, because when I'm reading it through, I'm think I'm more Paul and I are on the same page when I'm reading it rather than when I'm listening to. Well, it. Paul, Paul has this. Paul likes to wrap things up. I mean, you go through the book of of Corinthians, and and he wraps up things very nicely in almost every chapter, where you're like, oh, that was a nice little bow, and then he switches to a different subject, and we talk a little bit about that, and we're like, okay, well, I can I can get behind this, and and like you said, John is more. You got to remember the first things I've said about the logos, who is the word of Christ, who is Christ, and nothing is here be without him, um, and and that's going to be the running theme. <laughs> As as we take off on this journey of of um, looking at behind the scenes of what's going on, and and I think you like you said, you know, it's it's written for the ear to sit down and to hear and put all the pieces together, um, which makes the lectionary doubly challenging because a lot of the lectionary is, is and we've said this before, and when we're translating, why didn't they include? a couple of verses before to give a context or uh, include a couple of verses at the end to wrap up the thought. Um, you know, what, what was the thought there and the thinking of why they cut it off where they cut it off. Um, so that does make lectionary preaching more difficult. And, and John has more of that Eastern concept of, I'm going to throw this out here and let you struggle with it. And, and Paul is more of a, here's my point. This is what you need to understand. Right. And I am much more on the same page of Paul when it comes to preaching. And so translating what John is, John's approach to a sermon is so much harder than Paul's approach to a sermon. Did, did I really offend Will? Yes. Yes, definitely. Right. Yeah. yeah He's just done. I, yeah. I showered today, So, though. uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that definitely goes to the net. Yeah. So, Thursday is our pietism episode for Casting Nets. So, stand by for that. And then next Tuesday, I will not be able to be here for Beyond the Sermon. So, the two of you will have to do the flashy button I think we can uh, and set it all up. Did we just say what we're, guys what do we're doing on Thursday? We're doing pietism, pietism on Thursday. Yes. And then after, unless you want, okay, we can do pietism next week, Thursday, if you want to talk about uh, the inspiration. Of no, let's do pietism this Thursday because it's fresh in your mind. You just went through that class or that, that, sure. that section. Yeah. And so I would love yeah. to learn how to be a pietist. So, yeah. Oh, there we go. That's a, <laughs> How to be a pietist in five easy steps. <laughs> that's that's and then put in that's really the small, topic. really really small letters. Not how to not be a pietist. <laughs> um, okay, sounds like a plan. All right, thank you, brothers. Thank you, listeners. Hope to see you on Thursday. If not, we'll see you here next Tuesday, ten thirty a.m. for Beyond the Sermon.